Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Northern Wind Fantasy Podcast. My name's Zach. I'm Jake. And I'm Steve. We're here today to do a little discussion on one of Jake's favorite series that Steve and I have not read yet, and that is Discworld by Terry Pratchett. Sir Terry Pratchett. Sorry. Put some respect on his name. (laughs) So tell us why you love Discworld, Jake. Oh, my God. So I, I, I'm pretty new to Discworld. Um, how long ago did I start reading these books? Just like maybe six months ago. How many have you read? Uh, five. I think I'm on six right now. Damn. Uh, there's 42 of them, so plenty of books to stick your teeth into. But yeah, like it's a lot of books. Uh, we'll just kind of get started here with a little bit of uh, yeah. Sir Terry Pratchett wrote these. The genre is called absurdist fantasy. He's, you know, I think he's kind of in his own thing with this. There are like some other small, you know, things, but this is basically his zone that he writes in. And I, I, I'd have to compare this to like, uh, Spaceballs or like, uh, Young Frankenstein. It's like really witty and good and smart, satirical kind of. Yeah, but it's it's funny. Like, but it's satirical in like really important ways you know what i mean like they're taking on like pretty big ideas with their satire that kind of sounds like um uh that space uh sci-fi series what am i that's exactly what i was thinking hitchhiker's guy uh, hitchhiker's guy to the galaxy by douglas adams that's definitely got those vibes uh maybe like a little bit of uh yankee and king arthur's court kind of thing you know some mark twain vibes okay uh but it's it's really great stuff well, there's um, so many books that it seems kind of daunting, but they're short, right? They're very short, and this isn't a linear series. Uh, we'll talk about how long some of these books are. You know, we're short for us, I guess. There's seven hours. That's not really short. That's like that's pretty short. Short huh? compared to Brandon Sanderson. <laughs> I th- that's a regular size novel for a lot of people. I would say that's short. I think like twenty hours is a regular size novel. I think seven is pretty dang short. Uh, yeah, to me, that's a short I, yeah, story. Yeah, I listen at this to point. podcasts that are almost that long. <laughs> hours. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, Hardcore History, the episodes are like five hours long. Shout out to Hardcore History. So, yeah, that's the, the genre that we're in. So, let's get into a little bit of setting here. Um, all 42 of those books all take place on the Discworld, which is. Uh, f- a flat disc that is carried on the back of a giant turtle named a that is roughly 10,000 miles long and 10,000 miles wide. I should say whose shell is roughly 10,000 miles long and wide. And on the back of that giant turtle, there are uh, four elephants who hold up the disc on their backs. And this isn't a myth. We know this because you can look over the side of the disc and see the turtle. Oh, shit. (laughs) Uh, Around the rim of the disc is a perpetual waterfall. The oceans are constantly falling off of it and magically replenishing. This is a, a very high magic world. It's magic is interwoven throughout its existence. You could say, um, before you ask, nothing holds the turtle up. It swims. Don't be stupid. 
Yeah, I figured it was swimming through space. Yeah, right. It's a sea turtle. Yeah, yeah, it's a sea turtle, a space sea turtle. So the the disc itself is really interesting. Uh, Terry Pratchett does this awesome satire of science that it's it's like really good anti science. Uh, there's actually a whole book called The Science of Discworld that explains a lot of how this stuff works. Um, and it's just wonderful to dig into this. Th- so flat earth is real here in this uh, universe. Yeah, it's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> and a, a lot of those flat earther arguments are like facts in this, <laughs> in this universe. Right. So nice. there's lots of depth to this series. He's been at it for a long time. So if you want world building, I know it, a lot of people, I think, just think this is silly, but honestly, it, it goes deep, man. From the way they describe direction, you would say something is hubward or rimward instead of north or south. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, at the center of the giant disc, there is an ice field that's kind of like the polar area. And at the center of that polar area, there's a giant mountain called Cori Celesti, and this is where the large gods live. The important gods live on top of this mountain. Kind of mountain. So this is Mount Olympus. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And Cori Celesti is known as the hub. So that's where I got that hub word kind of thing. So when you go towards the hub, it gets colder. Towards the rim is more tropical. So wh- where's the more ideal place to live? I guess it depends what kind of weather you like. Come on, we know I'll stay it. stay towards the hub, I guess. I don't like it too hot. Oh, I love it. Toasty. I get real sweaty. Uh, a lot of our story kind of takes place in the middle. Well, in be- the middle of in between the hub and the rim. So, Do they go to anywhere other than Discworld? No. Are there other turtles? Um, that's not confirmed, but one of the big bang type theories is that a two in hatched with a, a, a clutch of turtles, a clutch of other turtles, you know, and that each of them carry a world on their back. Nice. So Jake, you, you sent the, uh, chat, this little, this is a video, uh, by the BBC. It's part of a mini series actually where they produced a, a Terry Pratchett novel called The Color of Magic. Right. And they had this cool little uh, clip at the beginning where they showed astrozoologists, they called him like lowering over the side of the disc and looking at the turtle in like a undersea submarine type deal. Right. Like, this is real. It's happening. They're on the turtle. <laughs> and they're like, we need to figure out what kind of, if it's a girl or a boy, we got to go underneath and look at, <laughs> look at its equipment. Yeah. Uh, the color of magic is Terry Pratchett's first book in the Discworld series. And this is a pretty high dollar adaptation. I'll say, uh, I haven't watched the whole thing, but I'm looking at the cast list. It looks really good. And I haven't actually read this book yet either. I think this is the next one I'll do. Yeah. I need to watch this now. Cause this has a lot of really great actors in it. Yeah, fire off some names off that cast list if you have it in front of you. So David Jason plays the main character. I'm not real familiar with him, but then you got Sean Astin, Tim Curry, Jeremy Irons, Brian Cox, Christopher Lee, Roger Aston Griffiths, not an A-lister, but fancy guys might recognize him as uh, Mace Tyrell. And then we have 
James Cosmo in this. He played uh, Sir J.R. Mormont. Oh, yeah. David Bradley, who played, uh, what's his name, Lord Frey in Game of Thrones, and also he was in Harry Potter. Oh, wow. That's quite the cast. Yeah. That's basically check this out. pretty much every famous British actor I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> is, is Tom Hardy in that? Ian McKellen's not in it. Okay. When did that come out? I think it says 2008 here on the YouTube link. Yeah, 2008 on IMDb too. So yeah, I definitely got to check that out. It looks good. Uh, and that brings me to just like, there's a lot of media that surrounds this. There's several miniseries. There's from the BBC. Uh, the BBC has done several radio plays where they have like multiple actors and it's kind of like this big budget thing with sound effects. They're pretty cool. Uh, it seems like Search Harry is much more famous in England than he is in the United yeah, States. Yeah, he's a really big deal in England. And like the humor is very British. It's very dry. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, Which I like. Yeah, I like it too. Death, one of the characters in one of the books I'm going to recommend to you, is like one of the best dry humor characters I've ever read. He's got the best dad jokes at a all right, so Jeff is played by Christopher Lee in this uh, adaptation that we were talking about. Oh, that's Jeff. awesome. Yeah, that's great. Oh man, I really gotta watch that. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta read the book first. Uh I don't know, maybe I'll watch that first actually. I usually don't do that. But so yeah, there's some There's like forty books I think you can get away with watching the movie first for one yeah. of them. Uh, there's a couple graphic novels. There's a couple animated movies. Um, there's songs. Like, I think there's a whole Discworld album. Uh, all kinds of stuff. It's it's very pervasive. It's a big deal in England, yeah. So when um, did he when did he start writing Discworld? Uh, I'd have to look that up. Uh, it says here... Published 1983. Is in the that last, um, The Color of Magic? Uh, yes. Okay. And the cool. latest one was The Shepherd's Crown. Yeah, this is one of those ones where he kind of wrote until like the minute he died almost. I, I've read accounts that he was like dictating Discworld books. Wow. Um, I feel like I know more about Terry Pratchett than I do about Discworld, honestly. I've, I've read a, like a lot of his quotes and... People like talking about fantasy as a genre. He was a big like defender of its uh, literary value. People always talk down about it because it's like kind of a silly genre to them. But he would always stick up for it and say all of our best stories through history are fantasy stories. If you're talking about the Iliad and the Odyssey, all the mythology. Yeah. A lot of Shakespeare's fantasy. Yeah. Uh, and you've probably, chances are, read some of his quotes like I think most people have read the Vimes boot description of why it's cheaper to be rich than it is to be poor so then we just like real quick we could talk about kind of some city regions uh Ink Morpork is going to be like the main at least from the books I've read is like the main center of most of the stories and it's kind of like London a little steampunk maybe that sounds like it's a corruption of Angkor Wat almost Yes, and it's a twin city, kind of. It's a city that's split by a river. They make fun of this river all the time. It's just like silt, basically. It's just mud. 
there's all these guilds that like you know it's it's just a seedy place so there's this place called uberwall that's high up in the mountains and it's lots of spooky stuff there's mist everywhere there is a big human population but it's mostly ruled by like vampires and werewolves and dwarves and the humans that do live there like these creepy frankenstein doctor types that have igors Igors are like a class of people. Like there's lots of them and they all have that list that like do the hand thing. And <laughs> it's pretty hilarious. That's funny. like Ricks and Morty's. Yeah. So, <laughs> so basically he's using tropes in a clever way. Oh yeah. Yeah. The whole thing is just tropes. I really think this is going to be right up your guy's alley. Like all these tropes and stuff and the amount of uh, fantasy that we've all read. I, I, I think you're really going to love it. And I, I love the world building. He's He's been writing these books for 32 years. And there's the characters. It's some of the best character driven stories that I've ever read, honestly, as silly as it is. And the, the characters you get are so diverse. Like we have... POV characters that include like literal gods, mailmen, witches, wizards, kings, dwarves, steam engines, orangutan librarians, dragons, and death himself. Not to mention trolls, golems, vampires, the undead, like zombies, goblins, werewolves, elves, and igors. Igors. So there's just like (laughs) so much fun stuff. (laughs) It does sound pretty fun. Okay, so the first book that I read was Going Postal. Uh, and pretty much the way I got there was I typed in Discworld on Audible, and I think this is the first book that came up. Nice. So this is about this guy, Moise von Lipwig, who's a master con man. Yeah, Moise von Lipwig. <laughs> <laughs> He's, it is a great name. Uh, he's a con man, kind of slimy shyster and he's been his name is moist (laughs) yeah his name is moist (laughs) cram number one (laughs) yeah it's too late for you but uh so he's been caught and he's on the gallows like at the beginning of the book and he gets saved by lord veterinary who and this isn't like spoiler this is in the back of the book description so he gets saved by this even seedier character, Lord Vetinari, who rules over Ankh-Morpork, the city that we described earlier. And this guy, Lord Vetinari, he's not the main character, but he's in a lot of the other books. And this dude's just fantastically evil. Uh, he's the most business-like... I, I don't know how to describe this guy. He's so scary, but he's like very honest about it. He's like the most upfront evil person you'll probably ever read. <laughs> So he tasks Moise von Lipwig with getting the Ankh-Morpork post office back in action, which has been out of business for like decades. And they get into some shenanigans from there, getting the post office up and running again. Uh, it's kind of a silly plot description, but man, this is really fun to read. Jerry Pratchett, I think, could just write about anything in this world and it would be fun. And uh, this is a three book series. Um, let's see. So this series is, is called the Moist Von Lipwig series, and it is Going Postal is the first one, Making Money is the second one, and Raising Steam is the third one. And Raising Steam holds a special place in my heart because there's steam engines in it. And that in a fantasy book is like, it, it just tickled something youthful inside of me, and I loved it. 
Nice. So get a little taste of that in uh, Mistborn Era too. Also, yeah. It, it sounds like Moist von Lipwig kind of has a good build up then from like being a pathetic person who's supposed to die. Oh yeah, it's a great story, and it, it's. It, I think it's a pretty good introduction to Discworld. This isn't one that I saw get recommended a lot online, uh, but. I think it does a pretty good job introducing you to all the different like species and stuff and what's going on to you know, how the city works, who this guy in charge is. Uh, it's 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 pretty good starting point, I think. And I think three books is, you know, some people don't want to read just a one off. There are some one offs in Discworld and I'm going to recommend one of them. But some people don't want to start with. Some of these are eight books long. Guards, Guards is eight books long, or City Watch is the name of the series, I guess. So maybe you don't want to get into that much. Three's not so bad, right? I like that they're short, but there's a lot more to sink your teeth into, like if you're into it. Yeah, there's always going to be more. All right, what's our other option here? We're going to pick uh, one or more of these to read for the podcast, by the way. So that's the Jake is kind of like pitching these. <laughs> yeah. So I'll say, too, that that's uh, the book that I just recommended going postal is the 33rd book in publishing order. And Terry Pratchett is definitely like in his stride in this one. He's he's hitting it. Uh, Some people complain about some of these earlier books that he hasn't like fully figured out how Discworld works yet. But it's definitely it's it's firing all cylinders right here. So the next book I'm going to recommend is some people would say it's it's a two-parter, but most people are going to tell you this is a standalone. It kind of has like a sister book almost, but it's called Small Gods. Just looking around on YouTube, this is a place that a lot of people recommend starting. I think Daniel Green said this is where he would start. This is his favorite book out of all the Discworld books he's read. And I, I really love this one, man. Uh it takes some nice, like, softball. I shouldn't even call them softballs. It takes some nice shots at religion. It's it's not just, like, shitting all over it, but it's a big... Critique? Yeah. Here, let me read the back of the book. Or Actually, I've been talking a lot. Zach, do you want to read the back of the book here? Sure. Is that this uh, because, under A? Yeah, it says, just because you can't explain it. Just because you can't explain it doesn't mean it's a miracle. Religion is a controversial business in the disc world. Everyone has their own opinion, and indeed their own gods, who come in all shapes and sizes. In such a competitive environment, there is a pressing need to make one's presence felt. And it's certainly not remotely helpful to be reduced to appearing in the form of a tortoise, a manifestation far below godlike status in anyone's book. In such instances, you need an acolyte, and fast. Preferably one who won't ask too many questions. Yeah, so... Basically, the plot of this book is the more people that worship you, the more important you are as a god. And I think this is like a plot we've seen before, right? Uh, yeah, this sounds like American Gods a little bit. Yeah. So, sorry, I'm just working out some timelines in my head. Uh, <laughs> so, we come across a god in the beginning of the book who has kind of lost his worshipers. Even though his religion is still really big, the people in his religion have kind of stopped believing in him and started believing in the institution of it. They've started more like praying to the church than to the God, if that makes sense. Oh, definitely, yeah. And there's only one guy who actually believes in him, and his name is Brother, and he's a monk. <laughs> and the story cool. the story goes from there. That sounds really interesting. I'd like that. It, I think. And it, yeah. It's great, man. Uh pretty short time wise uh and the one-off makes it a nice easy starting point 
Uh, this is book 13 in publishing order. So I think this is definitely far enough in that he's he's still nailing it. Uh, he's got his tone set. I really like this book. Uh, the one that I said that might be a sister book with this is going to be Pyramids. And in the timeline of Discworld, uh, Small Gods takes place they don't really get into it but it feels like maybe like a hundred years maybe 200 years something like that before the rest of the books really happen uh and then pyramids takes place i think like a thousand years before small gods oh wow okay pyramids is the first book like chronologically in the story the time tombs uh (laughs) yeah and then all the other books basically take place like in real time kind of like a lot of the events are happening at the same time and all the all the same characters are like getting mentioned and stuff like i said the the lord veterinary guy is is in almost all the books i think because they're like oh shit you don't want to get caught by the parishioner yeah he sounds like he'd be real important uh i want to meet death that's who i'm most interested in yeah death is great we'll get there here well we can do that one next Especially if we're talking about Christopher Lee. Yeah, so that's a great casting. <laughs> uh, so Death is just like a literal skeleton that walks around, and he's described as having two blue supernovas set inside his eye sockets. Uh, and he smiles all the time, but he can't help himself because he doesn't have lips. <laughs> <laughs> they make that joke a lot. They're like, Death smiled. <laughs> <laughs> He's a great character. Um, he's in almost all the books, too, because there's always people dying. Makes sense. And this is one of his most beloved characters. Terry Pratchett had a lot of people even, like, tell him that, like, you know, when they died, that they wished that's how death really was. Uh, nice. I think I think death might be my single favorite character, or the orangutan librarian is pretty awesome, too. But that's another book. So the series Death starts out with the book Mort. It's the first of four books, and it's the fourth book to be published. So this is getting back there towards the beginning. I still think this was awesome. Uh, This one was really short, too. This was like seven hours. So, okay, we start out with this guy, Mort. He's kind of like the lovable oaf trope. Uh, He's all knees and elbows. He's real tall, and his... Dad is basically trying to kick him out of the house. He wants him to get an apprenticeship and and leave. And they go to this like fair where you know, like people get taken on as apprentices and no job fair. Yeah, a job fair and nobody will accept him. And then <laughs> at, at at midnight death shows up at his horse and uh takes Mort on as his apprentice and takes him back to the realm where death lives, which is underneath the turtle uh and death has all these hourglasses that are like people's lives and he takes mort around and they 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 kill people i guess he's pretty specific that they don't kill people they make them dead (laughs) (laughs) other people kill people that's an important distinction yeah uh lots of wizards in this one lots of magic uh we kind of got like time travel almost the fabric of time the line of history that must be kept. Lots of good stuff here. This one's very like cosmic proportions, but silly at the same time. That one sounds really good. I'm going to have a hard time deciding, man. I don't know. I like the sound of that, but Small Gods also seems like a good place to start. 
Yeah, I kind of am leaning towards small gods. So, well, there's more to there's more to consider. Yeah, here's small gods. I, I I have two top picks that I can't decide between. It's small gods and this book, Guards Guards. And Guards Guards is the one I saw recommended the most as a starting point. It kind of seems like this series that's called uh, Night Watch is the universe or i'm sorry city watch is the universal fan favorite uh this is where we get this sam vines booth series i'm talking about this is just like really good stuff so like i said the first book is called guards guards it's the eighth book in publication order and there's eight of these uh city watch books so lots to get into on this one which one did you read the most recent uh more i read last and now i'm reading uh, equal rights. I see, I see. So that could be something we could consider, Zach, is how recently Jake read Mort. True. Then we can talk about it. I think we should all read one at the same time. Maybe let's do Small Gods. Oh, has Jake not read that one? No, I read no, it. No, he has, oh. but it might be good to reread it for the show. I mean, I, I read it pretty recently. I read all these pretty recently. True. Okay. Like I read Small Gods like three weeks ago. We're uh, digressing here. We got some quotes from Guards Guards, don't we? This is where the dragons went. They lie, not dead, not asleep, but dormant. And although the space they occupy isn't like normal space, nevertheless, they are packed in tightly. They could put you in mind of a can of sardines if you thought sardines were huge and scaly. And presumably, somewhere, there's a key. There be dragons. Dragons are scary, man. I like dragons. They aren't scary. They're, you know, they're smart. They're intelligent. They These need dragons someone. are pretty scary. They need someone to talk to. All right. So this one is your favorite, right, Jake? <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, man. It's really hard to pick. Like I said, Small Gods is a really special place for me, too. I, I really enjoyed that. Uh, but this one is really in world. Like Small Gods is so standalone. Uh, like none of the characters, you know, line up and it's kind of like its own little bubble on the outside of the disc world. Not literally, but, uh, where this guards guards is that it's just as good as small gods and it's in world. So it's a lot like richer kind of, if that makes sense. Yeah, I could see that it's more supported by the other books. So that's what I want to say. It's more supported. Yeah. The world building seems richer by the benefit of all those other stories taking place around it. Exactly. So, and this this is, uh, I'm going to say this is the funniest one, too. It, it's just, like, fall down hilarious in parts of it. <laughs> and it's, this is, like, tropes galore. So, it's fun, because how many fantasy books have you read? And all the time it happens where the main characters come in and beat up the guards, you know, and go through the <laughs> castle. And, like, this is the story about the guards that get beat up. And there's parts where they laugh, like, they're like, oh, there's one guy coming down the hallway. And they're like, oh, shit, that's terrible. And the guy's like, why? There's four of us. We could beat up one guy. And they're like, no, if there's only one guy, he's got to be a hero. <laughs> <laughs> This sounds like where I want to start now, actually. <laughs> it's so funny, dude. And there's a lot of like uh, commentary on policing and like how people police and should police. And there's lots of good cop stereotypes. There's the fat old sergeant and the drunk captain who 
has had a tragedy and got skipped for promotion, you know, and uh, there's the young new guy who, so <laughs> the new guy, this is the beginning of the book. You start out, SNG. you start out in the kingdom of dwarfs underground in a mine, right? And all the dwarfs in this world are basically unisex. They all look the same. They all have beards. You can't tell the difference. They all have like unisex names. Uh, and then there's our guy, Carrot, who's like six eight and has to walk everywhere bent over at the waist. And he thinks he's a dwarf. And his parents tell him, like at the beginning of the book, it's his parents telling him that he's not a dwarf. And he's like, what? I'm not a dwarf? <laughs> <laughs> This guy's just, like, gigantic. Is this the one we said sounded like Buddy the Elf before? Uh, yeah, I think so. Because then he, <laughs> he goes to uh, Ankh-Morport, and he's, like, super naive, and he's been told that he's going to go be on the city watch because that's the most honorable job in the city. <laughs> when it's actually, like, everybody on the city watch is, like, a bum or getting bribed or they're, they're super corrupt, you know? <laughs> Uh, they're basically like not supposed to enforce the law. Like Lord Vetinari doesn't want them to. <laughs> uh, so he goes around arresting people and that like aren't supposed to be arrested. Like this guy walks into the city and like arrests the mob boss pretty much. So they're like, what the fuck are you doing? That sounds uh, great. So and then there's some fumbling like wannabe wizards who release a dragon and our team of heroes, who it really plays out like a Dungeons and Dragons team. Like, uh, there's just like all the slots filled. You know what I mean? Uh, all the different classes and party members. Yeah, yeah. So they have to stop this dragon. And in the meantime, the librarian of the Wizard University that is in Ankh-Morport has the largest library in the world. And it has the largest collection of magical books in the world. And this librarian is a wizard who was turned into an orangutan a long time ago. And they can't figure out or he won't let them turn him back. But he is basically like an interdimensional librarian. And it's like really awesome how OP that he makes librarians because <laughs> like everybody loves a good librarian, right? Oh, hell yeah. It's like that a sounds a little bit like a character in Steve's D and D campaign, except he's a lich instead of an orangutan. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I made him a a writer, and like uh, he loves you know artwork and and books, and keeps a huge collection and teleports all over the world. Words and stories in Discworld have their own like magical field about them, and when you get a lot of them together, it creates like a place where magic can happen very easily. So in this library and then in the post office uh, where there's all these letters collected, there's like lots of magic electricity in the air. Nice. Hmm. I like that. That's pretty cool. Steve, the main, I was call it the main character, Sam Vines, uh, who's probably the most favorite character in all of Discworld by the fandom has this Sam Vines Boots Theory of Socioeconomics. Would you like to read that for us? Sure, both paragraphs. The reason that the rich were so rich, Vines reasoned, was because they managed to spend less money. Take Boots, for example. He earned $38 a month plus allowances. A really good pair of leather boots cost $50, but an affordable pair of boots 
which were sort of okay for a season or two, and then leaked like hell when the car- cardboard gave out, cost about $10. Those were the kind of boots Vimes always bought and wore until the soles were so thin that he could tell where he was in Ankh Morpork on a foggy night by the feel of the cobbles. But the thing was that good boots lasted for years and years. A man who could afford $50 had a pair of boots that would still be keeping his feet dry in 10 years' time, while a poor man could only afford cheap boots would have spent $100 on boots in the same time and would still have wet feet. This was the Captain Samuel Vimes boots theory of socioeconomic unfairness. Yeah, I have heard that before. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of... I should have like looked up some good Discworld quotes. There's a lot of them that have prevailed into modern, like just language, you know, like you might not know it, but you've heard some shit from Discworld before. I can almost guarantee it. Yeah, it's it's too bad. He seemed to die kind of young. He was 66. Yeah, he died of uh, multiple sclerosis, I think, MS. He, he also had Alzheimer's, apparently. The Wikipedia says that. But yeah, so there's that like, as silly as this series is, um, like look how great that is right there right like you that's something that you know i've thought my whole life but to see it so eloquently written that really reminds me of like something like hitchhiker's guide so it's very hitchhiker's vibe for sure yeah i mean i'm excited to read one of these did you decide yet zach i think it would probably be cool if we all did uh little small gods together or if you and i did i mean i'll do small gods i uh just finished warbreaker so i need something to read it's on Spotify, so we can listen to it at the same time without interrupting each other's place. <laughs> oh, true. Yeah, all these books are on Spotify for our listeners, uh, so you don't have to use your Audible credits. It's kind of nice. That's really cool. I wonder if he just like cut a deal with Spotify. Then I'm not sure. You don't get very much. You they don't get much money for somehow. Yeah. Honestly, so. the the Audible copies are pretty bad. Uh, the ones on Spotify are much better audio quality. Oh, nice. And I'll just throw out real quick before I guess you already decided, but Equal Rights is really fun so far, too. I'm only like two hours into it, but uh, it's about the first female wizard, and uh, it's pretty pretty goofy, pretty funny. Uh, obviously, you get a lot of like the wizard university and stuff. She goes to like wizard college, and uh, it's it's fun. But that so- sounds fun. The, the female narrator might be, like, my favorite narrator of all time. She's, like, Irish or something. It's fantastic. Hmm. She does a good, like, witchy. Yeah, That's and I, I'm excited to get some uh, different narration in. Uh, you know, listening to a lot of Sanderson stuff and, and The Wheel of Time, you get a lot of Kate Redding. Michael Kramer. And Michael Kramer, yeah. Not, not sure. that I don't love them. They have a special place in my heart. But <laughs> I've heard their voice plenty. Yeah, these narrators are good. I do think I want to dive right in the guards, guards, like as soon as we finish Small Gods. Yeah, guards, guards. I I kind of, I guess you guys would pick Small Gods because it's the standalone, but guards, guards is like an amazing book. And I can't wait to read the rest of those. So (laughs) I'm excited for us to get into that. Yeah, I don't really have any like reading plans on my docket right now until the next Brandon Sanderson book comes out, I guess. So might as well dive into Discworld full. Head on, you know. Let's do it. Well, it's it's nice because you can do just these chunks, you know. It's not like you have to ever read all 42 books. Like, you might never read yeah. Science of Discworld, but it's out there if you want to. 
we're accountants of Dune. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This has been fun. Oh, you wanted to talk about the George R. R. Martin video game. Yeah. Also, I posted a link to the Goodreads like favorite quotes from Discworld. If you wanted to look through that while we're uh, while Steve and I talk about uh, Elden Ring for a second, and if you can pick like a couple of your favorite ones and talk about it, maybe. Oh, okay. Steve and I have been playing a lot of Elden Ring, which is a fantasy video game. So I think we should talk about it on the podcast. This is a fantasy podcast. Uh, George R. R. Martin helped write this with uh, what's the FromSoft guy's name, Steve Miyazaki. I think it is Miyazaki, but you can't say Miyazaki because there's uh, a bit more famous Miyazaki already. Um, I might say this wrong, but Hidetaka Miyazaki. Cool. So this is part of the Soulsborne series of games, right? Or it's not really in um, the same universe. Is it, it seems like it is, but it you know it might be distant or or something like that. Uh, there's a character in it that's in the Dark Souls series, so that kind of leans towards it being in the Dark Souls series. But this game is the most addictive game I've played hands down since Skyrim. I think, dude, like this is amazing. There's a lot of like quick gratification and and a lot of long-term gratification like some of these guys you have to like spend hours like training your character to get up to level to like get beat these bosses and then you have to like learn their move sets so you know like when you can attack and when you'll die (laughs) yeah and i mean there's a lot of uh different abilities and magical abilities there's dragons dragon magic uh faith-based magic intelligence-based magic and you know, of course, giant-ass swords. So I don't know if you know this, but Miyazaki was inspired by the anime Berserk um, when he went to write that. Dark Souls, I think. And, you know, yeah, you can, you know, a giant sword that's like twice the size of your body. Is there seems down. to be a lot of Norse mythology in Elden Ring also with like the air trees and everything. That's very Yggdrasil. Oh, okay. It's a very confusing plot line. There's a lot of names that are very similar, but a lot of people that are the same people I come to understand. A little bit of technical difficulties though. I, I'm having trouble connecting to the multiplayer in the game, which is Yeah, a big the servers seem overwhelmed. I think it's just like really popular right now. Yeah. Sure wish they w- would work though, so I could play with my friends. Yeah, if you guys are out there looking for a good game to play, this game gets the Northern Winds seal of approval. We seal of approval. We love Elden Ring. <laughs> we should start mailing people paper that has like a seal on it. Be like seal of approval. They're <laughs> like, fuck you. Congratulations. <laughs> They're like, who is this from? <laughs> it's wax, sir, from a couple of strangers in Pittsburgh. <laughs> they seem to approve. <laughs> All right, so I guess it's settled. We're going to read Small Gods. Yeah. Jake, you got any quotes you want to talk about? I'll read the first one. No enemies had ever taken Angmore Pork. Well, technically they had, quite often. The city welcomed free-spending barbarian invaders, but somehow the puzzled raiders found that after a few days, they didn't own their horses anymore, and within a couple of months, they were just another minority group with its own graffiti and food shops. (laughs) <laughs> that's pretty cool uh so this next one is from our this one is from guards guards this is our orangutan librarian zach you want to hit that sure 
Several times he had to flatten himself against the shells as a thesaurus thundered by. He waited patiently as a herd of critters crawled past, grazing on the contents of the choicer books and leaving behind them piles of small, slim volumes of literary criticism. <laughs> I fucking love that. <laughs> <laughs> He's, it's basically Terry Patchett saying that critics are the lowest of the low. Like. <laughs> Steve. What am I reading here? This racism. Quote, it says racism was not. <laughs> You're reading racism, Steve. Racism was not a problem on the disc world because what with trolls and dwarfs and so on, speciesism was more interesting. Black and white lived in perfect harmony and ganged up on green. <laughs> so just a little taste of the disc world humor there. I was trying to look for a good death one, but I didn't see any on there. He has some really great quotes. Yeah, I always thought it was a shame that Neanderthals died out because we could all just gang up on them. Yeah, that's true. But I guess we, we already did. Oh, yeah, we we kind of just did that earlier. <laughs> we did it before. A, we it did. was a beautiful moment of uh, species-wide harmony. Yeah, we like did it too early that we didn't get to like write it down. <laughs> or take GoPro photos. All right, that wraps it up. Uh, we're going to read Small Gods. Um, and then more. I'm glad you guys listened to my rant about Discworld, and I finally nod your ear off enough that you're reading one. Yeah, uh, I think this was a good one to do because I know a lot of people are probably in a similar situation that I'm in where Discworld sounds cool, but it's just like so massive that you have no idea where to start. Well, I think the thing I'm most excited about is that they aren't long. You know, when I had heard that there were like 40 books, I was like, oh man, I can't read 40, 40 hour books. But you know, that's just wheel that's just wheel of time and Sanderson fucking me up. So Yeah, uh, Sanderson's three books are actually longer than all of Discworld. Yeah, that's wow. right. We were looking at that chart. So what about word count or page count? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think it was word count, maybe. I think it was hours on audiobook, actually. The you talking about the Stormlight series? Yeah. And that was only that was without the fourth Stormlight book. That was only the first three were longer than all of Discworld. That's crazy, especially because I intend on probably reading those two books before the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, and so three books. There's a lot of if if you're oh gosh if there's you're trying to now. figure out where to start um, on Terry Pratchett's website, there is uh, a questionnaire that will generate a book for you. Even. Um, there are multiple like flow maps of how the series is work, and I sent a good one to Zach that he'll post on our Twitter. Uh, so if you're afraid of Discworld, like just Google Discworld reading order or how to start Discworld, and there's a lot of way- people out there that are gonna help you if, if this wasn't enough. Cool. Yeah. So uh, I guess that wraps it up then. Thanks for joining us, everybody. This has been a good time, and we'll see you soon. We got more. Stormlight coming your way and probably some more Wheel of Time content on the horizon too. We are the Three Rivers Boys. Thanks for joining us. I'm Zach. I'm Jake. And I'm Steve. See you next time. Read more books. Love you. Bye. Read more Discworld books.